Keep calm and carry on. We've been in this series talking about anxiety, anxiety and depression these last few weeks, the last couple of weeks, and tonight is the part, the third part of this series. And ultimately, in this series, once again, we've been talking about this issue and um, just talking about how you know what? It's not an issue where we just keep calm and carry on. It's an issue where we maybe need to stop and go back, and where we need to dig in, where we need to lean in, where we need to think about our hearts, our lives, our minds, and how that's going. So part one, the first week, we talked about how complex this issue is. The issues of anxiety and depression are incredibly complex. Usually there's not just one cause. Usually there's not just a simple fix. And sometimes we can be harmful to those who are going through it by simplifying the issue as an outsider. If we don't really know all the nuances of what this person's going through, we haven't experienced it ourselves, we'd be like, oh, this worked for me, and it's as simple as that. And it's really much more complex than that. Not only is it complex, but also in week one, we talked about how common symptoms of anxiety and depression are, especially among young people today. And it's just, we're seeing a, a, a rise in these areas. And, um, and we want to deal with that. So part two, we focused on some of the things that get us in to these, these, um, into the kind of the, the symptoms of anxiety and depression that can kind of get us into that cycle, that negative cycle. And really we focused on false ways of thinking, all these different ways of thinking that we can kind of get caught in. Even if you're not de- dealing with anxiety and depression, you may still catch yourself dealing with these types of thoughts, right? And we went over like eight or nine different ways that we have false thinking and deal with false thinking, uh, maybe on a daily basis. Some of those were like false generalization, you know, one thing bad happens to you and you'll just conclude that that same bad thing will happen to you over and over and over and over and will never change. Another one was false fortune telling. You pass someone in the hallway that you would normally stop and talk to. They just kind of blow by. They don't say anything. You assume they hate you now. And actually, it's just because they were in a hurry. They were in a rush or they didn't see you or whatever it might be. All right. And so we start to kind of go with these false ways of thinking. And it can sort of just build up inside of us this anxiety or sink us lower into this pit of depression. But really, if we were to stop and take that thought and hold onto it, and as Jacob just said, take that thought captive, we could really transform it, and we can change the way that we think. We can't control a lot of circumstances about our lives. And sometimes circumstances have something to do with why we get into issues of anxiety and depression. But we can control the way that we think about those circumstances. All right, and tonight, part three, we're going to talk about the good news. And the good news is that eventually just about everyone finds their way out of issues of anxiety and depression. And that might not feel like where you're at. You're like, I'm never going to find my way out of this. Or maybe you know someone and like, I know they feel like they're never going to find their way out of this. But let me just give you a little bit of hope tonight that that's, that's almost certainly not true for you. Don't give up. Don't give up. We're actually going to extend this series a little bit. We were originally talking about going three weeks. We're going to go four. And next week, we're going to talk about the caregivers, the people who are coming alongside those who are struggling with anxiety and depression, how we can help in those circumstances. But tonight, four things that we can do to help the healing process for ourselves. And this might help you as a caregiver as well. But four healing measures for anxiety and depression, four ways that we can start the healing process. And the first one is to correct your lifestyle to correct your lifestyle. Now, sometimes when we're in a a pattern of anxiety or we're stuck in the pit of depression, what we need is some changes to our lifestyle. Maybe we need to bring back old things. Maybe we need to get rid of new things. Maybe it's a combination, but we need to have a change to our lifestyle. We need to correct our lifestyle because that might be part of what's contributing to issues of anxiety and depression. Now, sometimes it's a permanent change. Sometimes it's a temporary change. Sometimes we can 
get rid of something and then bring it back into our lives a few months later when, when things are going a little bit better and we have more positivity and we can bring those things back. But sometimes we need to change things permanently because we might have unhealthy patterns. And so I'm going to give you five words that start with R. If you're taking in-depth notes, you might want to write these down because they're not coming up on the screen. But these are five ways to, um, to kind of just correct your lifestyle and make some changes. The first one is in the area of routine. All right, the area of routine. Now, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, a lot of times one of the symptoms of depression is that you don't want to do what you don't want to do. And sometimes a person who's dealing with deep depression, like they just won't even want to get out of bed in the morning. And so when those days hit, they just won't. And maybe you've dealt with that before. You've been like, I, I can't even face the day. I can't even get out of my bed. And you just, you just sit there all day long or for several hours and you throw off your routine. And I just want to encourage you if you're dealing with depression, if you can muster up the strength, try to keep your routine. Try to go through a daily routine. Try to get up and take a shower and brush your teeth and eat breakfast and go out and face the world. And I know that seems impossible sometimes, but when we can keep our routine, even when we don't feel like it, it helps to restore that sense of purpose in our lives. Instead of when we shut it down because we don't, we don't feel like moving and, and that some days I know can feel impossible, when we shut it down and we lean into that, it sort of perpetuates and makes the cycle continue. So try, try as hard as you can to keep the routine going. That's one way to correct your lifestyle. Secondly, make sure there's enough relaxation in your life. Make sure that when you need to take a time out, you leave yourself that space to step out of a situation, to take a minute to relax. Even, even something as simple as your breathing pattern. Like sometimes when you're dealing with anxiety, heavy anxiety, it actually affects the way that you breathe. And you're like on the verge of hyperventilating all day long. And if you can focus even just simply on relaxing your breathing pattern, in, out, that can help physically with your symptoms of anxiety and depression. The third thing is recreation. And what I mean by recreation, just so you know, and so we're clear, is exercise, physical movement, physical activity, especially right now, now that the sun is coming out. Let's hear it for spring, by the way. Yeah. We, knew, we knew you were out there, spring. We knew you could do it. Now that we have sunshine, exercise outside in the sun, like there is healing power in that. And so do that. If you're dealing with anxiety and depression, get some exercise, not, not like necessarily knock yourself out exercise, but a good exercise, healthy amount of exercise, especially in the sunshine that is proven, scientifically proven to work, to help combat against depression. And uh, that will help you out with your anxiety as well. It's even better when it's nice. So it's great. We knew spring could come out, come out to play eventually. So it's great. The fourth R thing that we can do is rest. Rest. And I, that's kind of like relaxation, but I mean something different by it. When I say rest, I mean get eight hours of sleep. If you're dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and you might feel like the world is crashing down, get eight hours of sleep. Not 17, all right? Not six, eight. Eight to 10 hours of sleep would probably be ideal for you. At least eight hours of sleep, but don't go overboard, okay? So get some rest because your body needs rest, all right? And last, fifth, reprioritize. You need to make sure that your priority when you're dealing with issues of anxiety and depression, that your number one priority for that period of time is to get healthy, to get yourself healthy. And so anything that's getting in the way of that needs to go, okay? Anything that's not 100% necessary that's getting in the way of your health needs to go. And so there might be things that, again, that you need to cut for a while, or there might be things that you need to cut out forever because you're not going to be healthy while you're participating in them. Now, if, if it's something that's short-term, it might be because that thing is holding you back now in the, in the short-term. But once you're healthy again, you can sort of reintroduce those things. Just make sure you don't take it past the limit again. 
to get too, too, too far because sometimes our lifestyles are just too busy and that's what's causing some of our anxiety or, or even our depression. So correct your lifestyle. That's the first thing. The second thing is to correct your thinking. Correct your thinking. Now we talked about a bunch of, but once again, we talked about a bunch of false patterns of thinking from last week. Now, if you missed that week or you want to go back and review, we have been updating the podcast again, okay? It went on like a three-month hiatus, but we are back, baby. And so you can jump on the 707 podcast, and, uh, and you can find that in your podcast app, and you can listen to the last couple of weeks if you need to catch up or review, all right? And so you can find those false patterns of thinking. Also, um, we're going to have some printouts of that, or if you, if you need one, you can let us know. We can give you the whole list of those false patterns of thinking from last week, and again, a lot of this information this week, last week, all of the weeks, really coming from a book called Christians Get Depressed Too. And uh, that book is excellent. It's a short read. And really, you'll recognize a lot of the information from it, but it goes a little bit more in depth. So that might be a good place to look as well if you're looking for those false patterns of thinking from last week. All right. And so tonight, we're going to have a different handout. Okay. Tonight, tonight's handout is the Thought Investigative Questionnaire. And this just walks you through some things to help you think about what, what are the things that I am thinking? What are the ways that that's affecting me? How did I come to that conclusion? Do I think that conclusion has evidence to support it? What are some things that maybe counter the evidence that, that led me to that conclusion? Maybe some other ways of interpreting it. And it helps you co- go through that process of actually correcting your thinking. And it's a really good tool for you to use um, as well. And it helps you just to sort of stop to evaluate a thought or a pattern of thinking and to maybe make some corrections to that and move ahead in a more positive direction, all right? Now, interestingly, there's a psalm, Psalm chapter 77, and I'm sure there are other psalms somewhat like it. It's almost as if with with this questionnaire, it walks you through, I think, like six or seven questions. With this psalm, it actually, you can almost see the gears turning a lot like the questionnaire as the psalmist unpacks the way that he's thinking, all right? And uh, this is the psalmist, is named Asaph, and he is crying out to God, and you'll see a lot of sadness, a lot of darkness in there, but then you see it make a turn. Like last week, we looked at that one psalm that doesn't have the resolve, all right? This week, this one does. It has a pretty lengthy resolve, and it's a correction of thinking, really. It's a correction of thinking, and we'll see how this, the psalmist addresses that. Okay, so Psalm chapter 77, we're going to read the whole thing. Again, most chapters of the Psalms are pretty short. This one's not super long either. Okay, so Psalm chapter 77, it's going up on the screen. If you've got your Bibles, turn there. Forgot to say it. Give you that outlet. There you go. You can cheer. All right, Psalm chapter 77, starting in verse one. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. You couldn't sleep. I was too troubled to speak. Couldn't speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Sounds kind of like false fortune telling there to me. Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. So he goes from thinking, is God never going to come for me? Is he never going to show me his mercy? Is he never going to withhold his anger and show me compassion? And Is he going to do all this forever? And then he's like, wait, hold on. And he starts to correct his thinking, which is awesome, because that's what we need to do. 
He says, then I thought, to this I will appeal, to the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though the footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So we actually can break this down and really fit it into each box of the questionnaire that, that, that you guys will have access to later on. And if you're, let me just encourage you, because we don't have like a copy for everyone, but if you want one, get one. And if you can't find one, come talk to me. We'll make sure we get one in your hand. And this questionnaire is just simply a way for you to evaluate that thinking. And so it's particularly, if you're dealing with anxiety and depression, make sure you get one tonight, but not necessarily only those who are dealing with anxiety and depression. Maybe you know somebody who is, or maybe like you tend to have some of those thoughts, even though you might not call yourself depressed or suffering from anxiety. But that would be a great thing to do to help even just correct your thinking, regardless of where you're at. So if you want one of those questionnaires, make sure you get one tonight. Now, again, as we evaluate our thinking, I just want to throw this out there, okay? One of the most common things for me to do when I'm talking with students is something called referring. Sometimes students will bring stuff to me, and they're dealing with things, and we talk about it, and it becomes evident, like, man, this is weighing, this is heavy, this is a big deal, and as much as I would love to be able to be that person to help every single issue that comes across my office, I can't. I, I can't do that. I can't be the expert on, on the, all these areas. I was not trained or schooled for this, so I will find the experts for you. That's something that I can do. That's something I can help with is finding someone who can see you, who you can meet with, and to find some professional help to, to help correct your thinking and do it more effectively. And so sometimes you're starting to correct, try to correct your thinking yourself, and you can't get started, or you can't get it going, or you can't get any traction, or it's not really working, and you find that your lifestyle, you might have fixed your lifestyle and corrected some of those things. You might be trying to correct your thinking, but it's not working. And maybe you're sinking deeper into the depression or you're, just, you're still, still struggling with hopelessness or you're just not able to get this thing going. That might be time for you to seek some professional help. And now listen, sometimes we look at that and in the past, our culture, there's been some stigma about this issue. There has been at certain times. But let me just tell you, it's something that most of us need, honestly. Most of us would benefit. Pretty much everyone in this room would benefit from some sessions with a professional counselor because they can help you to learn those ways that you're thinking that aren't the right ways to think. There are times when they can help you to deal with your problems in a way that no one else can. There's some times where you'll say something to that person because of the rapport and the trust and the, the fact that you know it's a confidential conversation that you might not have the courage to say to someone else. And there are ways that this helps you so deeply. And so I would just say, listen, you know, if you're, if you're worried about that, that stigma aspect of it, there's no shame in this. There's no, there's no reason to shy away from it. You need this. I need this. We need this. And there are times in our lives where we'll need it even more. And so don't be afraid to seek professional help, to talk to your parents about that, to come talk to me about it if you need a place to find direction. Let me just tell you, um, a, a, you know, a little comparison I like to use is that like if you were to be uh, like horse around like on the playground or like climbing a tree as a kid or something like that, and you fell out of the tree and you broke your arm and it was sticking out of the skin, what would you do? cry. Good answer. Yes, I would too. Uh, but ultimately, after you were done crying, you would probably find help for that arm, right? Like you wouldn't just be like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like I'll get over it. 
you know, people look down upon people who go to the doctor, so I'm just going to let it hang there. You'd go to the hospital, you go to the doctor, you get that thing fixed because it needs it. And sometimes when we think about our brains, our, we think about our minds, we think about our ways of thinking, and there might be something that, that has gotten off kilter, that's out of alignment, that's not quite working the way that it used to or the way that it, we know that it should. And sometimes we need help with that. And there's, there are times where it gets bad enough that we need to go and we need to get extra help with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if you need that to, to regain your health, your mental health, go do it. Don't let anything stop you. So don't wait until it's like, don't wait until your arm's sticking, the bone's sticking out of your arm, you know? Don't wait until it's a disaster. Go before the crash happens. Go before it gets horrible. And if people are recommending it to you, you know that's probably a good sign that you should, that you should seek that. If more than one person has said that to you, yeah, you should probably look into that. You should probably do that at that point. The third one is related, and a related note, um, the third way to, to get healthy in this area is to correct your brain chemistry. Correct your brain chemistry. Now, here's the deal. This is, again, this deals with the professional help thing, all right? Because it gets to a point where sometimes we're trying everything. We're, we're readjusting our lifestyle. We're reprioritizing. We're resting. We're doing all those things, and nothing's working. That's not working at all. We're training ourselves to think differently. We're holding captive every thought, and we're, we're actually correcting those things, and we're thinking differently than we were before, and we're allowing those things to work, but we're still really down, and it's just not working. We still have just kind of this anxiety that's always there in the back of our heads and we just can't seem to get rid of it. And maybe those things are happening. We're doing the right things, but we're not seeing improvement. And at that point, it might be time to talk to someone about about brain chemistry. And again, I am far from qualified to tell you who should or should not um, seek help through medication. Because sometimes correcting your brain chemistry could include medication. And again, this step would have to involve a professional. And we get here if these other steps don't work. And I'm not the person to be able to tell you whether or not, yes or no, you need medication. And we don't, that shouldn't be necessarily like we talked about week one. It's too complicated of an issue to say every time you're feeling anxiety or every time you're dealing with depression, medication, that's the answer. It's too complicated. That's not necessarily true. That you might be just trying to, at that point, if that's your first reaction, you might be dealing with the symptoms, but not like the real core of the problem. But if you're working on the core of the problem and you're heading in that direction and you're trying things and it's just not working, there's a good chance that there's a chemical issue and that you might need and benefit from medication. And again, don't resist the, I mean, don't, don't like resist the idea of medication just because of ideas that other people might have had about that or a stigma that you feel is surrounding it. Make sure you get the help that you need and sometimes that's just a helpful thing. If you have a headache and it gets bad enough, you might take Tylenol or, or Advil or something like that. If you have some, some chemical imbalances going on in your brain that are causing you to be unhealthy, you might need some form of medication. All right, so correct your brain chemistry. Number four, the last way um, to, to try and get healthy through anxiety and depression is to, to correct your walk with Christ. Correct your walk with Christ. Again, sometimes spiritual matters, like we talked about in week one, can be the cause of anxiety and depression, but not always, and usually not. But almost all the time, our spiritual lives, our walks with Christ are uh, part of the collateral damage from anxiety and depression. In other words, anxiety and depression can, can cause us to struggle in our faith because what happens is one of the big things that can happen is you start to lose feeling in all areas of life. You know, you're kind of detached from some of your emotions and you're not, you're not able to, to really fully engage with people and things like that. And there's no, no different in your relationship with Christ. 
And so it's a time to be particularly, particularly focused and intentional in your relationship with Jesus. All right, and so don't, don't forget the fact that, listen, it's not a guilt thing. We're not saying, hey, anxiety and depression, you're probably doing poorly with Jesus, and that's why you're, you're, you're facing anxiety and feeling depression and all that. That's not it at all. But what the reality is, is a lot of times that, that, faith, that faith journey, it can be there to help you and to strengthen it in those times, but will only strengthen your fight against anxiety and depression. And a lot of times it ends up being a consequence of going through anxiety and depression is that you feel more distant from God. Maybe you become more distant from God. And so it's a good time to really lean in, to really lean in and draw close to God, draw close to him. So some ideas for that would be just to spend focused time reading his word. Pick up his word, read, and as you read, talk to him. As you hear from him from his word, speak to him. It's a two-way communication. So pray, and pray honestly. Let me encourage you, pray honestly. You know, it's not easy to shock God. In fact, you really can't. He he doesn't get surprised, like ever, because he knows everything, right? That's maybe the, like, one part that we don't think about, about God being all-knowing, is that he's never like, what? Like, that never happens to him. Like, we get surprised sometimes. He never gets surprised. And so you can bring anything, like that deepest thought, and you can say that to him. And he's like, yeah, I know. Because he already knew you were thinking that. He already knew that you were feeling that. And so often we, like, try to protect God from ourselves. Like, what? I can't get mad at God, and if I get mad at God, I can't tell him I'm mad at him because that's just not right. Incorrect. That's not, that's not correct thinking, all right? In the, in the Bible, all over, especially the Old Testament, the book of Job, all over the Psalms, like we've been talking about, people are really honest with God. And he put it in the Bible. So he must be okay with it. And so he wants us to speak, even if it, like sometimes the theology in the Psalms, let me just tell you, sometimes the, the theology in the Psalms is just flat out wrong. It's not true. It's not good theology, Right? Sometimes the people are believing things about God or saying things or assuming things about God that simply are true. Just look at the psalm that we read tonight. But it's in here for a reason. Most of the time they correct themselves, but not always. Most of the time, later on in the book, maybe God corrects, but not always. He wants us just to be brutally honest with him. And I think sometimes when we say those things out loud, sometimes we realize, okay, that, maybe that's not right. But we said them, and God can handle it. You don't have to protect him from your thoughts. You don't have to protect him from the truth. He wants you to pour it out. So read his word, pray to him, and be totally, totally honest. Participate in fellowship. I think a lot of times when we're dealing with these issues, it's natural for us to start to pull away. We feel alone, right? Don't do that. Participate in fellowship. Get surrounded by Christian friends. Ask people to pray for you, all right? And then most importantly, remember that God loves you even when you can't feel it. And even when maybe you're not even sure if you love yourself, God still loves you so much. And that's just the reality. That's just the truth. So remind yourself of that. I have a few closing thoughts as we get ready to head off to our life groups and talk about this a little bit more. In John chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus goes up to a man who needs to be healed. And he's, he's a guy who's he's, he's completely out of it. He's lying there. And, and he's not right. And it just says this, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked the man, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And every time I read this passage of scripture, it stands out. And I've heard pastors and speakers talk about this time and time again because it's so interesting. Like Jesus asked a person who had bad health for a very long time, 
and who was at a place where he was actually seeking healing, he straight up asked that person, do you want to get well? And it seems like a really foolish question to ask, but why, why did he ask it? You know, I mean, there's, there's a reality. Jesus asked that intentionally. Otherwise, you wouldn't ask a question like that. And I think this question really applies to this area of anxiety and depression as well. And I think what, what really happens in the end is sometimes we get so lost in it that we're not sure what we want. And sometimes we get so lost in it that we don't feel like we can do anything to help get ourselves out. We feel like we're so stuck that we could try anything and it wouldn't work anyway, so why do anything at all? Don't get trapped in that thinking. When Jesus asked this guy, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He wanted to hear the guy's response. He wanted to hear the guy say, yeah. Maybe he wanted the guy to remind himself, yeah, I do want to get well. I do want to be well. And he wanted to show the guy that, man, you need to depend on me. You can't just depend on yourself for this. But that guy needed to take a step. You know, he needed to do something. He even needed to have the right mentality for himself to find healing. And so a few closing thoughts for you. One is this. These are just quick hitters, okay? So I'm just going to hit them real quick. First one is you only have no hope if you have no hope. All right? Does that make sense to you? You only have no hope if you have no hope. You ever heard like the saying, if you think that you can or you think that you can't, you're right? Have you heard that before? Because positive and negative thinking will go a really long way in what you're able to accomplish in life. So if you believe, nah, I, there's no way I'll ever do that, you won't. You won't do that. But if you're like, I can't, I know I can do that, you know, eventually you're going to find a way to succeed. And when it comes to this area, this is tricky, okay? Because one of the major symptoms of depression is that you feel hopeless. There's hopelessness. So what I'm talking about is not having an abundance of hope and being looking at the bright side all the time and always being Mr. or Mrs. Positive or Sunny or whatever. Like, it might not work out that way. If you're dealing with depression, it's almost certainly not going to work out that way. I'm just talking about just holding on to that little tiny bit of hope. Like Jesus talks about having just a mustard seed of faith and then that can, that can change the world, that can move a mountain and throw it in the sea and like all this stuff. Like, just a tiny little bit of, of faith can do big things. I believe that a tiny little bit of hope can do big things. It's almost like you're lost in the wilderness and you might not have enough hope to like start swimming upstream in the, in the river or something like that, but you might have enough hope just to utter the word help, you know, and hope that somebody hears you. That's what I'm talking about. Just hold on to that little bit of hope because if you don't have that hope, you won't take that step. So look for that hope, even if it's just enough hope to ask one person for help. All right, so hold on to a little bit of hope. Secondly, don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. We're not meant to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. That's what God said in Genesis. It's not good for us to be alone. Don't be alone. Don't do this alone. Find a couple of people, one or two people you can trust. Maybe an adult would be one of those two or three people or whatever number you have. And find some people to ask to pray for you and to be people who you can talk to and share with and be honest with and all of those things, okay? That'd be so helpful. Don't do this alone. If necessary, find professional help and, and, and talk to me or someone else about getting that uh, taken care of. All right. Third, start small. Because when we think about these four areas and ways to dig out of this hole of depression or to get rid of anxiety, and we have to change these five R words about our lifestyle, and we need to, uh, we need to change our spiritual approach, and we need to uh, seek, you know, to to change our way that we think and we need to maybe um, do medication or find a doctor to talk to about medication or something along those lines. Wow, like that seems overwhelming. That's a lot. 
But here's what you can do. Let's break it down into tiny little steps. What's one thing that you can do this week? What's one little thing that you can do starting tomorrow? And just take a very small step so that this process doesn't become overwhelming. Because really, it's, it, it won't be if you break it down to these small digestible chunks and have people around you to help you. And then lastly is the last thought. I just want to say this because it needs to be said over some of you, that self-injury is never the right answer. Hurting yourself in any way is never the right answer. Sometimes, and this is so sad, sometimes people get to a point in their lives where they think the only way out is to take their life. And sometimes people deal with so much pain that they think the only way to let that pain out is to let out through physical pain as well. And they inflict that upon themselves. Don't ever get to that point where you let that lie win out. And don't feel like you're so alone that you don't have someone else that you can talk to you. And I say that to you, just not as a judgment, a statement of judgment whatsoever, but a statement of hopefully of compassion to where I just want you to know that, that, that that's not the answer and that it's, it's not going to be that hopeless and there are people who want to help you. And so let me just say this. If you feel, if you start entertaining that thought and you feel like this is what my option is and this is what I have to do and this is the only way to deal with the, the circumstance and the situation that I'm in, that's time to talk to someone else. That's time to talk to an adult, preferably, or talk to someone you really trust, all right? Because that's not the answer, and that person it might be the only way to help you out of that situation. So make sure you know that's an indicator. I, you know, if you're keeping it to yourself, if, if you get to that point, you have to let it out at that point. You have to let somebody know. You have to share that with somebody else, all right? I want you to share it with someone else well before you get to that point. But if you ever have that thought and it triggers in your head, reach out please reach out to me, reach out to your life group leader, reach out to your friend, reach out to someone, a teacher at school, your parents. Find help if it ever gets to that point. We never want to see someone get hurt because of these, these issues that are so, that, that is, as hopeless as it can feel, there's people who can help you. And there, there are circumstances that can help you. Don't ever feel that alone and that hopeless. Let's pray together. We'll talk more in our life groups. Lord, I thank you that you did create us for community. Lord, I thank you that you did create us with emotions and ability to think. Lord, we all get twisted up at times. Lord, I just pray that this place can be a place of healing for people. Lord, and as we talk in our life groups that even those conversations tonight will bring healing. Lord, I pray if there's a person in this room struggling with, with anxiety and depression who feels alone, who's never shared that with someone, that you would give them the courage to share that with someone this week, whether it be their life group leader, a friend, their parents, someone at school. Lord, just give us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. We're heading off to life groups. If you don't have one, come talk to me. I will hook you up. We'll see you guys on Friday.